Orchard. Who's excited to continue the story of Esther this morning? Let me hear from you. All right. Well, take out your Bibles, your mobile devices, turn to the book of Esther. We'll be in Esther chapter 4 this morning, beginning in verse 1 in just a moment. We're in week 4 of our series called All In, where we are looking at one of the most fascinating, exciting stories in all of the Bible called Esther. It's one of my favorite stories. As you're finding your way there this morning, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had to make a decision in your life, and when you made that decision, you kind of felt like, or you said, man, with that decision, we were all in? Show of hands. How many of you have ever been there? Like, maybe you made a decision to move, and you said, okay, we're all in with this move. Maybe you decided to start a business. You're like, I'm all in. Or to buy a house, I'm all in. Or to buy a cat, we're, we're all in. I'm sorry. Uh, true story. Just a little side note. This is a true story. I know I'm always doing cat jokes and stuff. Uh, how many of you guys heard this on the radio this week? They just completed a survey of like a thousand uh, families in America that are pet owners, and they found that the average American family will spend $10,000 to save their dog, but only $3,000 to save their cat. Hey, I'm just, I'm just delivering the facts, okay? Uh, if you ask me, that's $2,900 too much. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But we're going to talk about all-in decisions today that, that we've made in our life, that God may want us to make, and we're going to look at an all-in decision of Esther today. And I was thinking about all-in decisions that I've made in my life, and these are kind of like turning points in your life. I remember in 1986, uh, I made an all-in decision to attend the University of Oklahoma, so I'm a Sooner, will always be a, a Sooner. Uh, in 1990, I made the all-in decision to go into full-time vocational ministry, and I'm in my, I think, 27th year of full-time vocational ministry. And so, yeah, praise God for that. I went all in with that. In 1992, I went all in. I accepted the proposal from Shelly to marry her. <laughs> Y'all believe that, right? And uh, we'll be married 25 years uh, the day after Christmas this year. And so, yeah, it was an all-in decision. 1995, we made an all-in decision to start a family, and we had our first son in 1995, and then our daughter was born in 1997, and, and we've been all-in ever since and will be as, as parents. And then in 2005, um, our family of four, my wife and I and our two kids, uh, we made an all-in decision to move to Denver, Colorado. We had never lived here. We had no friends, no family, didn't know anybody, but we took an all-in step of faith to plant a church called the Orchard Church, and that was an all-in decision. Decision. And so we're going to talk about all-in decisions today that, that have uh, changed the course of our life. And Esther is faced with one of those kind of decisions in chapter 4. Uh, this is going to be a life-changing decision for her, for her cousin uh, Mordecai, her adoptive father, for the Jewish people. This decision she's going to make today even affects us to this day. And will she go all-in or not? And when we say all-in, we're talking about taking a step of faith. Taking that all-in step of faith to do what God is leading and asking us to do. Let me give you kind of a working uh, definition of faith that I recently came across. I really like this. It's in your notes. I hope you take some notes in the back of your newsletter. And it's this. Faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action. I really like that. Faith. What is faith? It's an internal conviction from God that leads to an external action. And we're going to see Esther today faced with 
a decision to go all in that's going to take an external action to put her faith in, uh, into action in this story. Let me kind of catch you up if you haven't been here for the first three weeks of this uh, series and the story because each week builds on the other week and it's been a cliffhanger every week. You can always go back to our website, orchard.church, watch it so you can keep up if you have to miss for some reason uh, because this story, you've got to really keep it connected, the unity of it. But basically, we opened this story in chapter one of Esther. There was this uh, prideful, self indulgent king, King Xerxes. He was the king of the Persian Empire. This is a true story. This is not a fable. This actually happened in history about 2,500 years ago. Uh, one day, he had a party with his buddies and a bunch of guys, had too much to drink, wanted to get his wife, the Queen Vashti, to come and show off his trophy wife. She said no, and so he banished her, and he got rid of Queen Vashti. That was chapter one. In chapter two, they had to choose a new queen. So they basically hold a Bachelor of Persia contest, if you will, and they get all these young women to come and he chooses the most unlikely of people, a Jewish orphan. Her name is Esther. She becomes the new queen. She has an older cousin, Mordecai, who has, is like her adoptive father. He comes into the play in that story. And at the end of that, after Esther's chosen as queen, Mordecai overhears two guys, two eunuchs, wanting to assassinate and kill the king. He lets Esther know, who lets the king know. He, he thwarts the assassination plan, basically saves the king's life, but he gets no reward at that time for that. We then go into chapter 3 and Mordecai has a boss. His name is Haman. Well, how do we feel about Haman, church? Yeah, he's our villain. Uh, he's this evil, wicked guy that comes on the scene and one day uh, everybody bowed down and worshipped him, but Mordecai, the Jew, said, I'm not bowing down to Haman and he wouldn't bow down to him, wouldn't bow down to him day after day, week after week. So finally, Haman decides to get even with Mordecai, the Jew, and not only get even with him, but decides, I'm going to get rid of all the Jewish people. I'm going to annihilate all of them. He goes to the king, gets him to sign a decree into law that on March 7th, about a year later, all the Jewish people are going to be killed. They're going to be annihilated in one single day. And I did a little more research this week. And I dug into this, and most theologians and scholars and historians believe that at that time, there were about 15 million Jewish people living in the Persian Empire. 15 million. So we're not talking a handful of people. 15 million people had a death sentence on their life because of this decree and this law. Esther, what is the nationality of Esther, church? She is also... A Jew, she's Jewish, she doesn't know about this yet. She hasn't heard about this, but today in chapter 4, she's going to find out. This is the hinge section of this entire story. Everything hinges on chapter 4 and the all-in decision that Esther is faced with today. And so when she finds out about this decree to have 15 million Jews annihilated, it affects her, as you can imagine. It affects her in three ways. So if you're taking notes this morning on your newsletter, the first way it affects her, it leads to a dilemma. So we're going to pick it up, right, or excuse me, a distressed. She's first distressed. And so to look at chapter 4, verse 1, and let's first look at the distress as she starts to hear about this plan. So Esther chapter 4, verse 1, it says, When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, about this law to kill the Jews, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and he went out into the city crying with a loud and a bitter wail. As you can imagine, he is very distraught, he is very distressed and upset about this decision. He went as far as the gate of the palace where the king lives and Esther lived, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. Basically, the king is like, listen, I only want happy thoughts. I only want good news. So if you're in mourning and you're upset, don't come any further than that. And so then it says in verse 3, And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews, as you can imagine. They fasted and they wept. 
and they wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. So all the people are distressed. I mean, basically everyone in the Persian Empire, except for the king and Haman, are in distress. And so Mordecai decides to kind of publicly protest, and he goes to the town square, and he's not holding up, you know, a, a sign or a placard, but he basically puts on these clothes, burlap and ashes, and he's just mourning, and he's crying. And he's wailing, and all the Jewish people are doing this. And let me just kind of say this as an application and aside here, that it's okay at times in our life to mourn. Amen? You know, Jesus, what? Wept. Shortest verse in your Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus showed emotion. Uh, sometimes in Western culture, especially men, it's like, it's not okay to cry. We got to hold it in. We can't let it out. You know, if, if I let myself, you know, mourn, I might lose it. Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not lose it, Right? It's okay sometimes to lose it. It's okay to break because God can bring beauty from ashes and do some incredible things with our faith. That's going to gonna happen in this story. But why did Mordecai decide to go to the king's gate in burlap and ashes? It was more than just a protest. He was trying to get the word to Esther, his adoptive daughter. She doesn't know about this decree to... to you know, commit genocide on 15 million Jewish people. And it wasn't like, you know, Mordecai could just call her on her cell phone... Or, or put it on Facebook or email her, but he wanted her to know, so he goes to the gate as close as he can get to the queen. Well, what happens? Verse 4, when Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, they saw him laying at the gate, she was deeply what, church? Distressed. She's now distressed. What's going on with Mordecai, my cousin, my adoptive father? And so how did she respond to Mordecai. Did she pray for him? Did she try to encourage him? It says she sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. I mean, this is what a lot of women do. When the going gets tough, go shopping. <laughs> right? Makes sense, ladies, right? Let, you know, get him some clothes. That'll cheer him up. You know, I'm going to go shopping, get him some clothes, get him out of the burlap. So she sends these clothes to him uh, to try to cheer him up. But Mordecai didn't want a covering. He wanted a cure. He wanted her to do something about this decree to have the Jews killed. And so the, the uh, distress then leads to the dilemma. Now she's faced with a dilemma as she begins to find out what's going on in this story, with this law, what the king and Haman, their plan, their evil plan, what they've decided to do. So we see the dilemma if you're taking notes. We pick it up in verse 5. It says, then Esther sent for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant. You say, what is a eunuch? It's a man that used to be happy. Some of you know what I'm talking about. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. Because she didn't know. She just knew he was upset. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story. So this is the whole story, what Haman and the king are planning to do with the Jewish people, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. I said this last week, I'll say it again. As you look at down through history and through time, the names have changed, the players have changed, but the script is the same. Satan hates God's people. He wants to destroy God's people. He wants to annihilate God's people. And he hands the script to different people. Here it's Haman. Uh, later in history, it's a man named Hitler. Later in history, it's going to be the Antichrist during the tribulation. He's trying to get rid of the Jewish people. So he asked Hathak to show it to Esther, this plan, and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to who, church? Go to the, the king 
and beg for mercy and plead for her people because she's Jewish. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. So, so he goes back to Esther and said, this is what Mordecai wants you to do. He wants you to go to the king. Uh, this is the decision you, you need to make. And God uses a eunuch named Hathak to share this dilemma with Esther. Hathak isn't on the scene very long, but what it reminds us of is this, that God uses anonymous people to accomplish important tasks. You know, God can use anybody, anytime, any place. You may think you're insignificant, but God can use you in ways that you, you haven't even imagined. One writer said it this way, as great doors can swing on small hinges, so great events like this one can turn upon the deeds of small and sometimes anonymous people. You never know when God may want to use you for his purposes and his plan. And so then we see Esther now is faced with a dilemma. She has to respond to this request. Are you going to go to the king? Are you going to talk to him? And so here's her response. Verse 10. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that, what's the next word, church? Anyone. That includes the queen. Anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited, let's say it together, is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. So if you show up unannounced to the king, he could just immediately have you killed. And the king, now, now listen, you wonder, well, what kind of marriage does Esther and King Xerxes have at this point? Well, let's see what it says here. And the king, she says, has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. Great marriage, right? I haven't even seen him in 30 days. I haven't talked to him. I haven't had a meal with him. He hasn't called for me in 30 days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. So Esther is faced with this major dilemma. Do I go to the king or not? Do I go all in or not to save my people, to do what God is leading me to do? And maybe some of you can relate to this dilemma. Have you ever had a time in your life where you felt like God was calling you to do something? Or to to stop doing something, but you thought, if I do this, if I take this step of faith, if I put my faith in action, if I go all in, this could really cost me something. If you've been there, say yes. We've all been there. This could really cost me something to trust God, to go all in. But let's not make light and just read quickly over this story. What could it cost Esther to go all in and take this step of faith? Her life, her head. Historians and archaeological digs have found pictures of King Xerxes in history sitting on his throne and standing next to him while he's sitting on his throne is a guy in a black outfit and hood holding a big axe. That anybody that comes in to try to see the king unannounced, if he doesn't welcome them and hold out his scepter, it's off with your head immediately. I mean, you're going to think twice about this decision, right? I mean, this is a big deal. You talk about it costing something. This could cost Esther her life. You, you think about this. I mean, if somebody goes to the king and he doesn't accept them, there are no repeat offenders to this. You're only going to do it once. Now, let's, let's keep this real. I mean, this is wrong, but it's very effective. Can we agree? <laughs> I mean, this is wrong. That if you go to the king unannounced and he didn't accept you, off with your head. It's wrong, but it's effective. I mean, can you imagine instituting this at your workplace if you're in a supervisory position? Some of you are like, huh, that's a good idea. You know, I mean, if, if, you know, somebody under you, one of your subordinates wants to come to you with a problem and a situation and you don't like it, he says, well, just, you know, off with their head. It's going to keep the problems way down. 
you know, that's really not that big a deal. You know, I'm just going to let that pass. I mean, this is a big decision that Esther has to go all in or not. And sometimes God calls us to take a step of faith, to go all in and do something that we may think, man, that might really cost me something. If I do that for God and I take that step of faith, what if I lose my job? What if I lose my friends? What if I lose my boyfriend? What if I lose my girlfriend? Well, at least you've got your head. I mean, that's what Esther's dealing with here. I mean, can you imagine getting to heaven someday and meeting Esther? And, and, and you're like, yeah, I didn't take that step of faith. And Esther's like, really? <laughs> really? It could have cost me my life. You have it this way in your notes. Faith is action in the face of opposition. If, if there's no opposition, is it really faith? Faith is action in the face of opposition. You know, our crisis often becomes our opportunity to take a step of faith, to put our faith in action. And that is the decision that Esther has here. This is a real dilemma. Now, Mordecai, whenever he gets word that she's like, listen, Mordecai, uh, you know, listen, adopted father, do you really want me to do this? Because if I go and the king doesn't accept me, it's going to cost me my life. Have you not thought about that, Mordecai? Well, he had thought about that. So he responds to her response in verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. Because what's the nationality of Esther? She's also Jewish. The king just doesn't know it yet. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. God's going to take care of his people one way or another. But you and your relatives will die. And here is the key statement in the whole book. Listen to what Mordecai says. Who knows, Esther, if perhaps you were made queen Let's say it together. For just such a time as this. Maybe everything has been leading up to this moment. The providence and sovereignty of God. And basically, Mordecai tells her three things. First of all, don't think you're going to escape this, this law just because you're a queen. Because you are also Jewish. And when this law goes into effect, you're going to die as well. Second thing he tells her is, don't, you know, if you don't do something, God will use someone else. You'll face the consequences and you'll miss the blessing. And then that can apply to us. And this really spoke to me as I was studying this because I wonder how many times in my life have maybe I not did exactly what God wanted me to do and I missed the blessing. I missed the blessing of leading that person to Christ. I missed the blessing of inviting them to come to church. I missed the blessing of praying for somebody or giving to someone that was in need. We have these divine appointments that are around us all the time. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll, we'll say no and we'll miss the blessing. You have it this way in your notes. When we focus on the risk, we forget the reward. You know, our, our enemy Satan wants to get us to focus on the risk of taking a step of faith. God wants us to focus on the reward of taking a step of faith. Amen? That there's, there's a blessing when we honor God. Let's not miss out on those opportunities. And that's what Esther's faced with here. You know, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to focus on the risk or am I going to focus on the reward? Am I going to go all in or not? And then he reminded her of this, the providence of God. We've talked about it throughout this story. Even though God's name is never mentioned one time in this story, you can see God's fingerprints all over this story. It's the providence of God working behind the scenes. And now are you seeing it come together? Maybe this is why Esther is queen for just such a time as this. This is no accident. This is no coincidence. This is what we call a divine appointment. 
And those divine appointments are around us all the time, at work, in our neighborhood, with our family, with our coworkers, our friends, if we'll just open our spiritual eyes and say, maybe God has got me at this place at this time for just such a time as this. And Mordecai is, is giving her this speech. He's giving her this response. And this is like one of those turning point speeches in history. That she's going to decide, am I going to go all in or not? It's kind of like Roosevelt's speech when he said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. That was a turning point speech. When Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, that was a turning point speech. When Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. These were turning point speeches. And Mordecai is like, listen, Esther, maybe God has put you at this place at this time as queen for just such a time as this. Now, what will you do? She had a dilemma. This is an opportunity. This is an appointment. Esther, this is your destiny. And we face, I believe, those divine appointments every day. If we'll just open our spiritual eyes and say, God, show me those divine appointments. Show me what you want me to do, what you want me to say, where you want me to go. How can I be a part of your plan and your bigger purpose, your redemptive purposes in this world? So what's Esther going to do? We've seen the distress of finding out about this law, the genocide of 15 million people. We see the dilemma that Esther has to make a decision to go to the king or not. What is she going to do? Is she going to go all in or not? Well, you're going to have to wait till next time to find out what she decides. I'm just kidding. You guys are like, I still have another blank on my notes. We're going to look at the decision. What is her decision? What's the decision that she's going to make? Is she going to go all in or not? Well, here we find out in verse 15 to 17. After hearing the speech of Mordecai, she was inspired. I believe God worked in her heart. It says in verse 15, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. So now they're, they're seeking God. She says, get all the Jews together. They're in the city. Fast, pray, basically, you know, ha have a service. Get, you know, this is like a church service. Get all the Jews together. We're going to seek God on my behalf because I'm going to take this step of faith. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. It's interesting, it's three days, because in the Bible, three days is a picture of death. Jesus was in the tomb. How many days, church? Three days. Three days. Uh, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Three days. She was saying, for three days, I've got to die to myself in order to live for God and take this step of faith and go all in. I've got to be completely submitted and surrendered to him if I'm going to do this. And so not only did she say, have a church service to get all the Jews together, but she said, my maids and I are going to do the same thing. This was her small group. Okay? Is this my shameless plug for small groups? Absolutely. Yes. It's biblical. You need to have a small group. So the small group gets together. They're praying. They're fasting. They're seeking God. She says, and then after three days, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And then let's say it together. She says this. If I must die, I must die. Can we agree that's a step of faith? That's a step of faith. That is going all in. If I must die, I must die. I'm fully surrendered to God's plans and purposes for my life. I'm going to see this as a divine appointment. And I'm going to leave it in God's hands. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Esther had this decision. Do I go all in? Do I trust God? Or do I not trust God and just hope for the best? And hope it just works out some other way. And she makes this decision. She pu pushes her chips all in. Just like in poker. This is a do or die moment in Esther's life. Everything hinges 
on this decision. For her, for Mordecai, for 15 million Jews in this story. This is a life or death decision. And from a human point of view, listen, this was not an easy decision. Everything was against Esther, humanly speaking. And usually when God is calling to a step, to a step of faith in our life, humanly speaking, everything is against us. I mean, the law was against her, the government was against her, the decree that had been signed that couldn't be changed was against her, her nationality, the fact that she's a Jew, and when they find that out, that's against her. Even, make no mistake about it, at this time, 2,500 years ago, even the fact that she was a woman being willing to go to the king unannounced was against her. But she was going to make this decision. I'm going all in because faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action. It's easy to say we have faith. It's easy to talk about faith. It's easy to put verses, you know, on our refrigerator and on our wall and plaques that say faith. It's another thing to go all in and take a step of faith. Amen? Amen. And that's what Esther is willing to do. She's like, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I don't know how this is going to turn out. But God does, and I'm leaving it in his hands. Because I believe in a God that will never leave me or forsake me. I believe in a God that when he says, do not be afraid, fear not, for I am with you. You know, over 365 times in the Bible, God says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. One for every day of the year. And then most of the time, right after he says, don't be afraid, he says, don't be afraid, fear not, because I am with you. Do you believe that, church? That when he asks us to take a step of faith, he's there. Listen, our Heavenly Father never walks out on his kids. Never. Never. And Esther believed this and trusted this. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, 31. He said, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? And the answer in faith is nobody, not even King Xerxes. Now, next time, we are going to find out how will the king respond. Will he accept Esther? Will he reject Esther? Will he have her killed? What about this decree that Haman came up with? They had already signed this into law. And once the law was signed, the the law of the Medes and Persians, it was irrevocable. It was unchangeable. And I'll tell you, those that don't know the rest of the story, it doesn't get changed. So it may be easy for Esther to be like, well, it's not going to get changed, so why should I even go? But she's trusting God that God's going to do something miraculous. And next time we're going to find out how the king will respond and how this is going to play out. And it takes some very, very interesting twists and turns in the chapters to come. But as we wrap this up today, how do we apply this to our lives today? And here's the question that I want to ask you and I want to ask of myself. What decision are you facing today where God is asking you to go all in with your faith? All in. Maybe it's your marriage. You know, maybe your marriage is struggling and the easy thing would be just to call it quits, quits like a lot of the people have done. But you say, you know what? There was a time that I went to an altar. I said my vows to this person and to God. And I went all in and I'm staying all in. Maybe it's your, as a parent. You know, when you decided to have children and you brought them into the world. You know, listen, I know when your kids become teenagers, you understand why some animals eat their young. Okay? <laughs> I, I went through the teenage years. You know, my kids, you know, now are... 19 and 21, but there was a time that we wanted to check out. But no, you gotta, we're all in. There are kids. Maybe some parents need to say, remember that. As long as they're still here and they're still in our house, we're all in. Maybe it's financially. Some of you, you know, God has been speaking to you. It's time to finally get out of debt. Get on a budget. Get on a plan. Start acting your wage. 
That's why we offer Financial Peace University here at Orchard Church. We're getting ready to launch our small groups this semester. We have, I think, three different small groups that are going through Financial Peace University. Some of you, it's time to go all in. It's time to get out of debt. Quit being in bondage to debt. Maybe it's physically. It's time for you to go all in with your faith and say, I've got to trust God that His grace is sufficient. You know, doctors are great and nurses are great and medicine is great, but ultimately I'm going to trust in the great physician. I'm going to go all in with my faith. Maybe you're going through something emotionally in your life right now and you've just got to say, you know, I, I, I can't handle this. I've got to just give this to God, that this crisis is an opportunity for me to reveal my faith, that whatever God brings me to, I believe He'll bring me through. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And let me, let me talk about spiritually because that's where God wants to work in our lives more than anywhere else is maybe there's an area of your life spiritually that God wants you to go all in. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first place to go all in. Maybe you know, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior but you've not gotten baptized, that's the first thing that Jesus asks us to do in obedience to Him, to go public with our faith. You know, Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago and was brutally tortured and, and murdered and crucified for our faith. I think we can get in a pool and be dunked underwater for him. Amen? You know, quit putting that off. Go all in. And let me just tell you, next baptism at Orchard Church is going to be a historic baptism because we believe our next baptism is going to be the first baptism in the new building. Be a great time. This would be a fantastic time to sign up to be baptized. Maybe it's time to go all in and say, man, I, I, gotta, I gotta stop reading the Bible only on Sunday. I need to start reading on a Monday and Tuesday and go in all in with a plan to get into God's word. You know, right now we're, we're launching our fall small groups this semester. Maybe it's time to, to go all in and be connected in community because God didn't intend for us to be lone rangers and you need care and you need love and community. Maybe it's time to be discipled or be a discipler or start serving because we have a value here at Orchard Church that we are church contributors, not consumers. And our mission is to help people follow, find and follow Jesus. And when you're serving and when you're giving, you're a part of that. Amen, church? And if this is your church home and this is your church family, it's time for some of you to say, you know, it's time to go all in. Let's be a part of all the things that God is doing because I believe this and I believe many of you believe this, that God has called us to this place at this time and this community for such a time as, as this to help people find and follow Jesus. If we didn't believe that, we would have never built that building next door. We believe that God has given us a, a moment in time and a history to make a significant difference for the kingdom's sake. You don't want to miss out on that. You want to be a part of that. God has put you in your workplace for such a time as this. God has put you in your school, students, for such a time as this. God has put you in your neighborhood with your neighbors on the right and the left and across the street for such a time as this. To, to, to help them find and follow Jesus. I, I don't believe there are accidents and coincidences and karma. We all have divine appointments. And I, and I pray that every day we'll see it that way, that we'll go all in. You know, Esther was one woman that's about to change the course of history for millions of people. Imagine what a couple of thousand people in the Orchard Church family could do if we would all live on mission every day and say, we're all in. We're all in for God's redemptive kingdom purposes. It would be a game changer. I want to read, um, as we begin to close, a story of one family in our church, one lady that decided to go all in and what God has done in her, her family's life. She sent this to me a couple of months ago and she gave me permission to read it. She said, growing up, we did not attend church. 
In 2012, I was desperately seeking God and wanted to join a great church, but didn't know where to begin. My friend invited me to attend Orchard. This could be your story. Somebody you invite, this could happen. She said, my friend invited me to attend Orchard Church, and from that first service, I knew I had found my church home and family. Listen to this, church. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior in that first service I attended, and I was baptized the next month. We praise God for that. That's somebody that went, they went all in. They went all in. They accepted Christ. They got baptized. She goes on and says, it's been the most amazing decision of my life. In the years since I began attending Orchard, my family's been through some really great times and some pretty hard times. In September of 2015, my stepson was tragically hit and killed by a train. In February 2016, my dad was diagnosed with esophagus cancer. But praise the Lord, he is now cancer free. But since his surgery, he has been in very severe depression, which has been extremely hard on my mom. She has been to a few services at Orchard Church in the past and enjoyed them greatly, but wasn't able to attend on a regular basis. In December, she attended the Christmas Eve service with me and decided she would like to attend regularly. She felt that was God's way of helping her cope with my dad's depression. She and my daughter Gracie Gracie recently made the decision to be baptized, and my heart is so full of joy and love. Can we praise God for that all-in story? That story could be your story. That could be the story of someone you care about, somebody you work with, somebody that's in your neighborhood, a family member, a friend. But just by being willing to say, I'm, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in. And let me ask you today, what is God asking you to do today that might cause you to go all in? And what's the decision you'll make? And I want to make this as practical and relevant and actionable today as possible. And I want you all to look at the, even if you haven't been taking notes right now, I want you to look at the back of your newsletter where the note page is. And there's this question, what external action step will you take beginning today to go all in? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's financial peace. Maybe it's, I'm gonna get in a small group. I'm gonna get baptized. I'm gonna start serving. Some of you, as I talked about helping people find and follow Jesus, and we talk about this all the time because that's the mission here at Orchard Church. God is putting somebody's name and face on your heart, in your mind. Write that name down. Write down that coworker that needs Christ. Write down that family member. Write down that friend. Write down that neighbor and say, I'm gonna start praying for that person. I'm gonna start praying for God to give me a divine opportunity and moment and appointment to invite them to church, to tell them about Jesus. I want you guys to write it down. Okay, a lot of you all just looking at me. Look at your paper, all right? I want, because it's too easy to come to church every week, listen to the message, go, oh, good message, Pastor Doug, see you again next week, and not put something into action. Listen, we want to be a church where we're doers of God's word, not just hearers of God's word, amen? What is it? What's that step of faith you're going to put into action that God is speaking to you about today? Because faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action. An action. What are you going to put into action beginning today? And dedicate that and give that to the Lord and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to take the step of faith. I'm not going to focus on the risk. I'm going to focus on the reward. I'm going to focus on the blessing. I'm going to focus on making a difference for God's glory and our good. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would put feet and action to what you've spoken to our hearts about today, whatever it is, that we would go all in, that we take a step of faith like Esther, that we wouldn't just talk about faith, we wouldn't just sing about faith, we wouldn't just read about faith, but we would put faith into action. 
continue an attitude of prayer right now. How many of you would be honest enough to raise your hand and say, you know what, there's an area of my life where God has spoken to me today. I put something on my paper where I need to go all in. I need to put my faith in action. Can I pray for you today? Would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that those who just raised their hand and even those that maybe didn't raise their hand, but there's something you're speaking to them about, that they would put their faith in action beginning today, that we would take that step, that we would be obedient, that we would go all in, that we would focus on the reward and not the risk and that we would trust you even when it seems insurmountable the hill even when it seems the obstacle is bigger than we can handle Lord that's when we, we put our faith in you and we, we trust you and that we would see you do miraculous and supernatural things through our steps of obedience as we continue an attitude of prayer right now if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior let me tell you some really great news. 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus Christ that came to this earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and then he went and he died on the cross. He went all in for you. He went all in to pay for your sins so that you could have a relationship with him. He didn't go all in to give you religion. He, gave, he went all in to give you a relationship, to give you a home in heaven, eternal life, sins forgiven. Would you be willing to go all in for him today and say yes to Jesus? Yes, Jesus, come into my life. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. If God is speaking to you in that way today, and I believe that he is, some of you, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the way we call on the Lord is through, through prayer. And so I want to lead some of you in a prayer right now. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you say it from your heart in faith to God, you can say yes to Jesus today. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me? You know who you are. Would you just pray this from your heart to God today and go all in for the one who went all in for you? And it goes like this. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life. I want you and need you in my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you for going all in for my salvation. Thank you. Thank you. As we continue in attitude of prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I just want to ask you this. If you just prayed that prayer of faith and you meant it, and I believe some of you did, I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you right now. And so right now, without hesitation, if you prayed that prayer, no one else looking around, could you slip up your hand so I can pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, right here. Amen. God bless you, ma'am, right here. Yes. God bless you. One, two, three people up there. Amen. Amen. God bless you over here. Amen. 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 Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I just lift all those up today that are saying yes to you. We praise you. We celebrate their decision. Um, Lord, your, your word says that even when one per person says yes to you, that the angels in heaven break out in celebration and a party. May we respond the same way here on earth as we welcome our new brothers and sisters in Christ into your family. And let us all be reminded that we get an opportunity to go all in for the one who went all in for us to save us and to give us eternal life. May we take those steps of faith and may we trust you. May we see you do miraculous things through our obedience, through our steps of faith, for your honor and glory and our good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Let's celebrate again those saying yes to Jesus today. Amen.
That's awesome. The Bible says that when someone says yes to Jesus, they are adopted into the family of God. And so we just want to welcome you to the family. We are so excited for you. When you came in today, you received a newsletter and it had this connection card. And if you just prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate with you and help you take your next step as you begin this faith journey with God. We want to walk that out with you. So if you take time to fill out this connection card and check that I said yes, and as the buckets come by in just a moment, would you drop that in? Also, this is your first time. There's a part where you can check that this is your first time guest. We would just love an opportunity to say thank you for allowing us to host you today. And so if you fill this out and you drop this off in the bucket as it comes by, we're going to follow up with you and send you a free gift. Also, if you're new or if this is your first time and you'd like to meet Pastor Doug or talk with him out in the courtyard, he'll be right out by the blue tent. He would love to say hi. He'd love to welcome you here if this is your first time. Now, we're in a season at Orchard where we're starting small groups, and I can't be more excited as someone who's new. I've only been here for less than two months. My wife and I are hosting a group Tuesday nights at Turnberry. You're welcome to come if you'd like to. Shameless plug. But we're starting these 12-week long small groups in the homes throughout the area where we're going to be able to get to know each other a little bit better, help each other grow in our relationship with God. So whether you've been coming here for a while, this is your first time, we'd love for you guys to get connected in a small group. And you can check small groups on this card as well and drop that off in the bucket here in just a moment. And that bucket is intended for us to receive an offering. And every week we bring our tithes and our offerings. We bring our best. We act our wage by giving first, saving second, and living on the rest. And so we're going to continue and close the service by worshiping God through our singing and through our gifts and our offerings. And so I'm going to invite you guys to stand up as the ushers come forward. Let's give our very best in this moment and close in worship. <laughs> 